On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. For bad for you, son. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we are now recording. Commence the funny. All right, everybody, welcome to the Grateful Dads Podcast, Episode 2. Episode 2. It's still our pilot, though. <laughs> and how is that? Well, it's because Episode 1, which we recorded recently, um, the sound was abysmal. <laughs> it was so, more, more of a DIY sound. It was very DIY. We were right. using uh, handmade instruments, uh, microphones and whatnot. Right. In any case, it is now the lost episode of the Grateful Dads. Right. It was, it was immediately lost, right? Yeah, it was immediately lost. We, we didn't destroy it. Listened. It was great. Right. But, um, Content-wise. Yeah. Uh, let, let, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Adam Felber. This here is Kevin Burke. I am Kevin Burke. We are, we are the hosts of the, uh, the Grateful Dads podcasts. Um, and, and the podcast is all about the specific issues pertaining to the American phenomenon known as the dad band. And me and Kevin are in a dad band. That is true. We are bandmates together. And, I, and I'm going right. to point this out. We pointed this out in the first podcast. Oh, but, the last episode. But you would have to be a diehard fan of ours to know that already. Yeah. But you say an American phenomenon. Why Why do you think this is an American only? Oh, because because this kind of thing is frowned upon in Scandinavia. Is that true? Yes. I'm going to have to do a little research on that. Yeah, you're going to have to. Get back to me. It's because Meanwhile, it involves to... competition. That's they right. don't like competition over there. They do not. And let, wow. Let's introduce the rest of our cast of characters here. We've got yeah, our, um, our producer slash engineer, Jeffy Branion. Hello. And we've got our musicologist, Brian Frank. Hello. Band manager, musicologist, and uh, he'll be... He'll be uh, Coming back later, as though he's not here the entire time. He sounds time. so for much Brian's corner more legit. I'm gonna as leave a, as a musicologist. Come back. Well, <laughs> we're, no. we're, we are like, hey, we're members of Dad's band. Yeah, and, but, but and Brian a has a legit, really awesome Instagram feed wherein every day he he uh, shows us another piece of vinyl that he owns and t- talks about the album. Yeah, every that is day? true. Every day, every single day yeah. since January 2012. Wow. Yeah, he's got have, some vinyl. I have learned many a thing off of that uh, Instagram feed. It's a great feed. Much. It's much better than your Instagram feed, actually. My feed is, is lame. Yeah, yeah. I was going to tell you about that. No, you don't have to. You could even keep it yourself. <laughs> um, so, so what else are we going to do tonight? We're going to talk about punk music. And the reason we're going to talk about punk music is because our band... Dad's, our, dad's band. The, the dad band, which is not called The Grateful Dads. No. Although it once was. No. It, you don't that, agree. That is, no. I, I completely deny that. We you, got a gig. We do have a gig. A, yeah. a gig that does not involve a school function or families. We or, should or point children. out that most, as far as we understand it, most dad bands have their gigs are basically school functions. As much as we'd like to believe, yes, most other competing dad's bands yeah. do school functions where there's a row of clapping children and or wives and significant others. Is cheering it sad? Them on. Is, is the dad band a really sad thing? No, I think that um, it is 
an important thing? It is important. Well, it's definitely a thing now. When it wasn't <laughs> a thing when a we thing. were kids. You know what? Well, none of our, none of our parents what, had bands. I'll agree with. It's a thing. You know what? I would say that if my dad ever came in and was like, you know what, Kev, I got a band I just started. I'd yeah. be like, you, that is absolutely fucking crazy. I can't, I can't. I would have loved it. I know. I would have, it that would, that's insane. I would yeah. never be able to understand that concept. Whereas to our kids, it's just sort of like our dad's are rocking out at our school functions and that's okay well well i don't know about the okay okay part yeah i don't know about the okay okay? that okay (laughs) part is rather jumping to a conclusion there i'm not sure we have seems to be okay with one of my kids (laughs) which one (laughs) i don't know (laughs) only one (laughs) that's why you will not survive on uh this episode we will be uh breaking down a song that we've had to learn for our gig which is ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have by the buzzcocks Yes, we will break that song down. Uh huh. And then we'll go to Brian's corner, right? And it, uh, uh, we'll be discussing punk too. But then we're going to Brian's corner. And Brian has brought something that's not punk at all. What is it, Brian? Well, it depends on how you define punk. Ooh, hey oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's Jay-Z. that's musicology yeah, yeah. talk right yeah. there. Uh, Jay Z's Black Album. Now, which... usually it's an anniversary of an album when you yeah. post it on your site, but this was a, a different kind of anniversary. Correct. Yeah, believe it or not, Jay Z recently turned as of the recording of this. 50 years old. Okay. And uh, we have a lot to say about Jay-Z. And uh, it was pretty punk rock because that was his retirement album. Right. Yeah. It was not a retirement He's still album. not retired. Right. Um, all right. So uh, let's see. We've introduced our band. We're ready to get to our first segment, which is We Got a Gig. We do have a gig. And like we said before, it's a gig amongst strangers. Yes. Amongst people that may like us may hate us we have no idea it's really sad because we're a bunch of i was gonna say flabby but you're the member of our band who's not flabby the (laughs) (laughs) oh wow well my uh, you're 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 our you're our resident ectomorph my uh form is very important to dad's band when i'm at the gym i'm I'm doing crunches thinking dad's band dad's band i gotta do this for dad's band what's a gym Um, anyway i should mention that uh kevin is 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 one of our two lead guitarists Right. And uh, I'm the keyboardist. You are the keyboardist. Uh-huh. And interestingly enough, this particular gig that we have, our first gig. Yeah, our, outside fir- our of, first outside gig. Um, we have decided, based on the venue and whatnot, to lean sort of punk heavier than, right. than we usually do. Because Dad's band, one way or the other, tends to lean on classic guitar rock. Yeah. I think that's probably universal amongst Dad's bands. I think so. Um, Dad, and, and we should say that Dad's bands include many moms. It's oh, just right, become right. it's, parent it's become band, the right. nomenclature, but parent band sounds yeah par- no it definitely even worse. is parent band no no it is definitely not just dads because you were in a band called your mama last I was, year I was it was definitely a band a mixed gender band which was awesome and this current iteration eventually just became all dudes hence dad's band dad, yeah dad band so we're in dad's band and so we decided to lean more punk heavy which was great for us because well it's great for us being Who's the guitar players. Us? <laughs> No, okay. Here's but the us, thing: our drummer got us the gig because yeah. he's in a he's in a legit band. Yeah, and he's that does has, punk tribute. And he's stuff. had a legit like punk history. Yeah. So is our bass player. So is our guitar player. Well, our bass player is a ska history. No, our bass player has more I'm of a sorry, punk our other lead guitarist has a ska exactly. history. Exactly. There we go. Um, but then uh, it occurred to me that we also have a keyboard player in this band, and we picked a bunch of songs with literally no piano part or keyboard. Yeah, part. Yeah, and that's happened to me before. As as I as I talked about in episode one. I, com- I bitched about this on Twitter to my Twitter friend, Ben Montench, keyboard player for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. And he replied and said, that's an opportunity. Go crazy. They can't tell you you're playing it wrong if it's not on the record. That's right. And especially if we can't hear you, too, which happens sometimes. Well, oh, my son told me that. <laughs> I came back from rehearsal 
practice, as we call it, like like yes. a week ago. Yes. And I told I, I told Baz what songs we were doing, and he and he said, um, "Dad, uh, I usually can't hear you in the band anyway." Oh man, yeah. Was that a challenge, or did you just put no, your head down, I'm Charlie like, Brown? I'm like, listen, man. They tell me to turn it down anyway. No, you get too loud. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. You really fight back. The point yeah. being, though, it's a very punk oriented set list. It has to be because we're playing. We're opening for a punkish band. That's right, and you know, and we love playing that particular. You want to recite our set list? I do. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be the whole set list. I'm going to be revealing it to the people who've been dying to hear what our set list just is. Learned. First of all, one thing about dad's bands. Dad bands. Dad's bands or dad bands? Dad bands. Really? Yeah. All right. That's what it's, we're going to do. It's not like secretary's general. That's right. You're right. Well, well done, Jimmy. You're right. Okay. I just learned something right now. Um, <laughs> or, or mother's fucker. It's not mother's fucker. It's not like but mother's fucker. Band? No, because it's motherfuckers. That's right. Okay. Dad bands. Dad bands is like motherfuckers. Okay, but in this particular case, it's a dad apostrophe S band. It's, yeah, we're a dad band. Yeah. A I band would, made of dads. Thank you. Not a band owned by dads. Tell me, Kevin, is it a chocolate chips cookie? <laughs> because there's more than one chip in it? Read the fucking set list. I've been trying to. You won't shut up about fucking dads' bands. So we're, we're doing Stone Satisfaction because that's like yeah, that, quintessential that's what we already knew. We already knew that one. We knew that one. And Great. I do. I, I just want to say the keyboard part I've added into that is sort of like a like a Hammond organ wooly bully kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And that song offers itself to it. It sure does. Um... Interestingly enough, we do the Strokes last night, which is which on this list is our most recent song, which is like 18 years old at this it's point. It's a really old song. Yeah, this song would be able to join the military. That's right, and vote. And, and, yeah, and vote. Not yes. drink yet. Um, we do do, and this is funny because I, I remember throwing this one out there. We did just what I needed by the cars because I thought, oh my god, like something the keyboard player can be excited about. It's the and most you, boring one. You can't be more bored looking when you're playing this song. Well, think about it. <laughs> I'm thinking about. I, I'd like That's to think about it. it. Yeah, yeah. That I was excited by that. Why can't you be excited <laughs> yeah, by that? Because it's monophonic. Oh man! All right. Yeah. Well, anyhow, we should cut that song because you don't even appreciate it. No, no, that. no, no, no. I, I, I've made bone. it more interesting over time. Through your bone, you didn't even like it. The, the song <laughs> I enjoy the, the most, though. We, I, I enjoy doing "Where Eagles Dare" by the Misfits, which is which is great because it's the Misfits, and I, I love... don't think that's great. But we can talk about it. God, did I ask for your opinion? I'm just reading the list. Okay, what, what, no, but you gave you your opinion. I'm going to give mine. <laughs> <laughs> you said that's great. If you'd said nothing, I would. It yeah, wouldn't no, have called like, arms. I got a list in front of me. Why um, don't you let him get through the list? I will let him get through. Thank you, Jeffy. He's our arbiter now. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If we need to see a ref. Um, we're doing Big City by Operation Ivy, which is great. I'm a big Operation Ivy fan. I did not know about Operation Ivy until that song. Is that right? Wow. I'd heard the name of the band. I'd never listened Operation to it. Operation Ivy, talking about the other guitar player, because I'm more of a rock metal guitar player, and the other guitar player in our band is very much a ska background, and that first Operation Ivy album is the Venn diagram overlap that we really? absolutely live on. And yeah. is that song that we're doing on the first first album? There really is only one album. Oh, okay. Yeah. They broke up like, they broke up, if I remember right, they broke up like two months after the first album came out. Like, they barely survived. But, I mean, that ended up, that is at maybe 89, and that ended up being a big, that 12 inch ended up being a big part of my high school. Oh, good to know. Um, and same with his. And so that was a big record for us. We're doing um, Get It On by T Rex, and I love T Rex, but that's sort of a classic dad's yeah, band. That's song. a really fun one to do. I feel it's like, a classic like even dad as we're playing. Band song. What, what's that? Dad band. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's okay. I, I hate to be a pedant. I can't. Believe. You don't have to be. I keep doing this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. And then if you hate me, you can yeah. just stop anytime. <laughs> There's a solve for this problem. There's lots, there's lots of things I hate being that I cannot stop being. <laughs> opening up a can uh, of worms. We're doing Stepping Stone by the Monkees, which I think is a great. I'm so glad you suggested that one because oh, I think that song is underrated. It's super fun on the organ. It's a killer song. I mean, yeah. it's actually been done by a lot of punk bands post the Monkees. Right. Television did a cover of it. People have done it. Um, but we're also doing Hendrix. Hendrix. Hendrix also, covered it. Yeah, we're also doing uh, Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have by the Buzzcocks, which right. is a song that I was only vaguely familiar with originally, and I'm really glad we're doing it because it's a great song. And, and we're going to break that down in just a minute. You want to break it down now? Um, yeah, I mean, do you? Let's move on to our segment, Breaking Down the Song. We needed to do that first. Now yeah. we know where we are. Now we know where we are, yes. Yeah. Okay, um... Well, you can start, because that is a song that we were jamming out in rehearsal. Yeah. And then you started playing a really interesting variation on that song. We realized you've been neglected on the set list, and that you should... It's funny, because I realized that right away. <laughs> yeah, I know. It takes us a little while. No, but but it, it makes perfect sense. If you're going to have a punk set, and you right. and if you don't consider Elvis Costello punk... Was that... Did someone say that? Uh, it was suggested that maybe we do Radio Radio or okay. something, and then I could have done a Steve Naive part and stuff like that. But uh, did we not consider him punk? I would, I would have done that. All right, I, we should have, but we didn't. In any Next case, time. Um, what I started doing was um, a very slow acoustic piano intro to the song, just right. using those chords. Right, it's very melancholy. Very, very melancholy. Very Play- spotlight on you. Like uh-huh. if this, yeah, yeah. If, if, it's funny how I managed to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what's interesting is that we've made no actual like measurement of how long you're going to play so so in theory you just keep going until and, until i stop and then the band starts playing the song. right in, which in, in we're, actuality we're, at the gig it's going to be short but we're giving you a lot of power like yeah. you really could sabotage more the power whole thing. than you should give a disgruntled keyboardist i agree <laughs> <laughs> okay but one thing that's interesting about this song is that um we decided to double our part like let, let's hear that opening riff uh, not the opening riff, but the the, the ringing guitar riff. Dun, da, da, okay. dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Okay. Now we're listening to that in the background here. Yes. Through the wonders of post. Right. Um, that's your part. Right. Right. I play that. I mean, we're playing the riffs. The bit, and then it goes. That bit. Right. And then you're playing with me. I'm playing with you because, for one, it's the most interesting part of the song. Right. It's definitely the sort of hook that you keep going back to musically yeah. outside of the lyrics. And it's the one that appeals to me because I didn't really know the Buzzcocks that well. Mm-hmm. The, that wave of punk, the first wave, was kind of before my time. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, sounded like the replacements. Adding you to it sort of resonates that particular melody on top of that. Which is cool. Which is cool. But it actually sound sounds really fantastic when you play it by yourself as... A little keyboard piano intro. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a fun little bit. And now we should get into the chords on this song are super, super easy. Not as easy as most punk songs because there's a minor chord. Right, right. Well, and, it makes, and, it, well, and it makes some strange changes. Do you know what I mean? It goes it goes from your C minor to It starts in C, C sharp minor. Yeah, C sharp minor to yeah. B. And then it goes then it goes over to the D, A section. It's just right. different. It goes to these big major... It goes to these like, big major chord it's sections. It's really exciting. But it's got this 60s pop vibe to it. Right, like except, except it's got that real punk thing. The the whole riff at the beginning is yes. C sharp minor, C sharp minor to B right. to C sharp minor to C sharp minor to B. You know that little absolutely. It is all totally punk. Very very palm muted. Very like. Is it fun to play? It is fun, but it's also. But I love playing it. But it's also a bit of an endurance test. But isn't all punk an endurance test for a player? I think for a player who's not a keyboardist. No, no, I would. I mean, this is sort of a punk metal thing, like. 
Metal is almost like a sport sometimes where it, it all is about precision. It's like doing math. Punk, you can fuck it up, and that's sort of by nature. Right, right? but it's frenetically paced. Yeah, and this particular song, though, is a little cleaner toned and a little... It's not designed to punish you or to make you slam into somebody. It's just punk in the sense of it's simplistic and it's catchy and it's focused. Right. Is there anything else about playing this song before we leave this section and open it up to punk in general Right. Uh, that you want to say? Because to me, it's just I play that riff, and then we get to the chorus, which is like a D to an A or something like that. Well, it's a D to the A, and I, I would say that when it goes to that, it's actually pretty amazing because I do the whole thing muted, and the whole song feels a little tight and muted. And then whenever you yeah. go to the A, it becomes this big it open chord. It rings out a little this bit. Big ring, and it gets really, it, every time I do it, I genuinely get excited about the song. Like, the song all of a sudden picks up this new never, level. Never, never falling, yeah, yeah. falling in. Yeah, it's really great. And I'm, we don't, we're not, you and I aren't singers in this band, so no. what the singers are doing is really pretty complex, too, in terms of the harmonies going on, on simultaneously. So it, as a punk song, it, to me, I think it's a little bit closer to a 60s pop song, you know, more along the lines of garage rock, you know, right. that sort of stuff, than it is the Misfits and the other punk songs. good point here because um i'd like to segue from talking about us playing the song which we've done expertly and well no one has done it better nobody has talked about this <laughs> our dad band cover of, of ever fallen in love to talk let's talk widen it out to the buzzcocks and right. to punk in general i was unaware of the buzzcocks mostly except that when people would mention buzzcocks i'd be like oh yeah buzzcocks you would nod as if you were right. a part of that group but, but i was too young for them when they were there and then i i, I never uh, is that because i didn't hear them or well that's what that's a good question because this happens a lot um especially with stuff that we look back on classic rock wise where it simply wasn't available sort of in america and it I imagine, might not have been available I imagine in america. The buzzcocks i imagine i mean certain glam rock bands certain punk bands from britain just didn't or if they were available you had to live in you know, New York and had to buy some sort of import, right? right Which was right. not an option so for everybody. So let's bring in our musicologist, Brian. Let's was ask that a him. thing? Was that a thing? Did the Buzzcocks get here late? Absolutely accurate. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these bands didn't make it over here financially, right? It wasn't right. like they could come and tour. Right. And the singles-driven market of the UK dictated how the music turned over, right? So they were really just putting out all these seven-inch singles all the time. Right. Whereas just what you're saying, like to pay for an import of a seven-inch and all that kind of stuff, Nobody they didn't did. really break through over here. And the bus guys, and, all people know is Ever Fallen In Love. Right. And uh, there was a song uh, that, that you loved that you were talking about earlier. Yep. Called Why Can't I Touch It. Why Can't and, I Touch It, which is not their uh, their third other known song, which is one... Orgasmatic. I, orgasmatic, a song yes. about uh, masturbation. Exactly. And you would think that Why Can't I Touch It is the song about about whacking off, but it's not. Which it, it clearly is not. And I definitely recommend to, to listen to Why Can't I Touch It. Maybe we could hear a moment of it Let's right hear a now. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Take a listen. Beautiful, and it's very non-punk. It, it doesn't really fall into that category, does it? And, and that's really the thing is, you know, as we were mentioning earlier, they kind of fall more into like a 60s garage influence kind of offshoot of the kinks. I would put mm -hmm. them in that kind of world, the Buzzcocks, as opposed to the Sex Pistols, really short song, right. just screaming the thing out. Right. He could sing. 
You right. really could. Yeah. Great melodies, melodies and yeah. lyrics and you know, the whole tempo of it. I, like, yeah. Why can't I touch it? It's really slow. You know what it reminds me of? I'm glad you brought up Sex Pistols. It reminds me of Public Image Limited's, uh, um, what's that song? Rise. Mm-hmm. I may be wrong. Yeah. I may be right. It's got yeah. that same sort of meditative trance-like quality that you do not associate with punk. Yeah, it's true. And I saw P.I.L. Oh, you did? When I was either in high school or college, I saw him at the at the Limelight in New York City. Oh, no way. And what I, what I, well, the reason I bring it up is because we're going to be opening this up to punk in general. Sure. And during the show, I was up in the balcony of the Limelight, and, and I guess there were some diehard punks. This was the mid to late 80s uh, in front. And Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten, starts screaming at them, going like, stop spitting on me. And then, and then he stopped the band. He said, listen, it's over get over <laughs> it punk is dead and if you keep spitting on me i'm not gonna fucking play anymore i'm gonna stop the show right now and he like had to reprimand wow. these punks because he was like i guess he enjoyed being spit on 10 years previously well but also he clearly enjoys taking control of the audience in any capacity yeah, too which exactly. is definitely and, and then just a few years later Punk was back with the Sex Pistols' Filthy Lucre oh, right. reunion tour right. in 1996. I saw right? them not on that tour, but shortly thereafter, and and <laughs> I did not expect to enjoy it as much as uh-huh. I did. Oh my god, it's almost sacrilegious for them to to to, to reunite. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I I am part of the problem because really the the punkish thing to do was to not give a shit what I thought about what they did. There like you go. To some extent, well, that, that's actually, yeah. I mean, punk right. is a really weird genre because right. it, for one. It was, you know, uh, not as far from the virtuosity of heavy metal. Sure. But also, it was politically divided. Yes. It was, yes. It was a bunch of outcast, you know, sensitive liberals. Right. Reunited with a bunch of, or united with a bunch of, of skinhead fascists. Right. And those two strands pull at each other all the time. It's, it's still to this day, you've got like this divide in punk. Sort of this tension within the... The community and there and the, it's not even it's it's a, not a subtle tension because it's extreme. Interesting, you know. I mean, that's my perception of it. I mean, like a lot of punk, it, there's that libertarian divide, the liberal libertarian right. divide inside punk. Well, there's also a generational thing that I this is why I don't fully understand it because it it hit at its prime sort of in the late seventies before my time of paying attention to it. So when I was learning about it, sort of sort of in the nineties it had this element that almost classic rock had gotten where it was being revered, right? Which is sort of defeats the purpose, which is what they were sort of going Absolutely against. Right, yeah. But like anything that is that is older and seems somewhat, somewhat, and you can't get it anymore. That was a big thing too. It didn't exist in that same way. It had this reverence to it. Did you go to a lot of punk shows? I didn't go to a lot of punk shows, but also you recognize when you're young and you're playing guitar in bands and you wish that you were a virtuoso, but you recognize your limits and especially the limits of your friends, you're like, well, we're a punk band. You can declare yourself a punk band. Especially so the limits of your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> apropos of nothing. But I, think that plays, I think that plays into what Adam's talking about, though, which is it is a mouthpiece for the people, punk mm-hmm, rock, I would mm-hmm, say, because mm-hmm. it is something, it's three guitars, three chords and the truth, right? right. You can just it's pick a guitar barely, and bash it's more it like, I think three chords and the truth is like country and maybe blues. Punk is like a chord and a half. Fair enough. And, 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 and a woozily related truth. There right. you go. But right. if it's your truth and you feel like you have the opportunity to spit it out, yeah. there's a lot of people that are going to embrace that on either side of the fence, right? right. And so I think that that's what's important about it. I do, I will recommend, I'm going to plug a book that none of us benefit from, but you should read called Please Kill Me. Have you? Well, is it the stiff, 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 sti
So it's a Legs McNeil book, and what it is, it's actual, it's just uh, interviews with people from the invention right. of punk, it's essentially. It's like an oral history. Yeah, it's an oral right. history of punk. I haven't read and it, but I know it. It's absolutely spectacular because it traces everything from essentially the Velvet Underground and the New York scene in the late 60s right. to how punk really started in New York. Right. With the Ramones. In the early 70s. Yeah. Give it with to the Ramones. Ramones. We should right. mention something. Kevin, right. bring it up. Yeah. We left something off our set list. Oh, right. Well, we do... Like every band, I think that ever starts out, we do Blitzkrieg Bob, which I kind of feel like is a little on the nose. Yeah, I do. I do too. Well, at first I did. Yeah. And then you start fucking playing Blitzkrieg Bop, and it's great. Like you just enjoy doing it. There's a reason why everyone loves it so much. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's lost. La it's Bamba. It, you're right. It's lost. It's, no, like like it is La Bamba. Well, right, and that's the exciting thing about it is that it's sort of rock and roll at its most base, right? It's yeah. most simplistic version, but. That's three is Those are your three and, chords. And isn't that the Ramones? That's and isn't the Ramones. that the sheer beauty That's of the whole right. fucking thing, right? That, and, and that, that brings me to another it. point about punk is that the, another divide be- between, you know, the curb stomping fascists and, and, and liberals in it is musicians and non-musicians. And that fascinates me because the Ramones played the, you know, the most basic chords that you could possibly play and they never got that much better although they did get tighter over the years no and, and i would say i remember re- reading about the ramones originally when i was first getting into them and about how there weren't really guitar solos because there wasn't really sort of time for that and as a guitar player i was like it's not that, that there wasn't that sounds like time. bullshit yeah but now now that i know the ramones so well and i i lived on the ramones when i was a teenager there's a truth to that and i think johnny ramone is a fantastic guitar player that doesn't get enough credit as a guitar player as creating his own tone as creating his own sound he definitely create his own tone and his own sound and stance. I steal a lot of his stance, too. Your stance is too. legendary. Yes. It's, it's kind it, of amazing. It, it's it, borrowed it, a lot it, from him. It feels like most of your energy towards being a guitarist is towards your stance. Yeah, I don't know where the power comes from, but it's yeah, partially that. It's yes. partially the stance, yes. I, was, I would say. Um, but then there's there's bands that were downright virtuosic. I mean, I think people stop thinking of Elvis Costello as a punk because sure. his band got so good. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, and there, then there's, there's a Clash. Point. Who, yeah. And I think it was Joe Strummer, it might have been some, one of the other members, who said, when asked like why they were branching out so much musically, he said, if you keep pounding on an instrument every night for a long time, sooner or later you're going to learn how to play it. Yeah. Well, right. actually, is Paul Simon and the bass player literally did not know how to play bass when he started. In Much the band. like Sid Vicious, he was recruited right. for his look and his style. And you know what? I don't fucking blame him because no. he's one of the coolest dudes in the he's history of rock cool and roll. That's right, dude. And he eventually right. learned how to play the bass. And he eventually learned how to play and wrote some great songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I think there's absolutely a truth to that. And I think part of the Ramones' problem, now we revere them, but the Ramones retired in 95, 96. I don't love them. Right. I, I like them. I'm going to have to fight you at the end no, of the No, you're going to have to fight. But uh, like, if we talk about, about hardcore bands that I, because we called them hardcore in the late 80s, <laughs> hardcore <laughs> bands that I love <laughs> would be, um, I, would, I would put uh, uh, Husker Du in there. I would, sure. I, I would say the replacements... They'd be my favorite of speaking. Of, yeah, the replacements do a great version of Black Diamond. We were talking about Kiss off offline earlier, uh-huh, but their right. version of Black Diamond, best version of Black they're, Diamond. They're, the replacements were unbelievable, and they were very influenced by the Buzzcocks. I mean, I, no I doubt. Went, when you and I started playing that riff together, I went home and I and I I googled replacements Buzzcocks because I was like, there's no way to Paul Westerberg. And what? And so what came out when you put replacement so, Buzzcock into the into well, the Google? Well, yeah, first, yeah. first there were a lot I'd of like videos. A replacement Buzzcock, please. Well, first yeah. there were a lot of videos that I watched for exactly 20 minutes. Um, but then I found I, I narrowed it down to the I added the word band. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yes. 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 And then there were a bunch of other videos. But then <laughs> no. So it turns out that yes, Paul Westerberg revered the Buzzcocks. Right. And in fact, he had been lurking outside the basement where like Stimson and the others were playing. Um, but 
too too scared to approach, and then eventually a friend introduced them. And, oh, really? And, and so he walked into this basement where he'd been already listening in on this band, and he brought two albums with him, and one of them was that Buzzcock Singles Collection that Brian mentioned oh, wow. earlier. Someday someone's going to do that to Dad's band. They'll be listening to us outside, too no, nervous never... to approach us. Well, that's kind of... They may do it to a dad band. Oh, my God. Oh, I am going man. to punch you. You just in the went dick. there, and he, he, he's not wrong. <laughs> not wrong. No, he's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, do we need this? Do we really need this? Do so we have another did anybody, So, like, have you been in the pit? Have I you have, have, I you have moshed one to job punk? on this ship. <laughs> <laughs> you're turning into to that. To say what uh, the computer says. You're turning into Sam the Eagle. You just poke your head out, make a comment, and go back in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, have I moshed? Did, a, yeah, did you slam a lot? Like, slam. I, I feel like that, no, that's a, that's a, <laughs> I feel like I feel, slam. That's a 1988 term, right? You, well, what have you broken ribs on a on a I'm dance not floor? Broken a, ribs okay. on a dance floor. Okay. Um, I uh, I not, suppose not I just moshed. your ribs could have yeah. been someone else's ribs. It could have been another person's ribs. No. Yeah. Well, because well, because I gotta say the pit nowadays looks like something where people go vertical up and down. It's a lot um, of up and oh, down. Oh, you mean in the, the, pit. the pogo sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, that seems to be what I see at shows now. But and crowd surfing, yeah, right. You know, but the crowd violence, yeah, the violence isn't there the way people it used don't to be. Right. All, you know, point yeah. at each other, make eye I'm contact, sure. and elbows, run across full speed. Yeah. Elbows I'll disagree out. Except for this. the wall of death. If you've seen that, yeah. I've not seen the wall of death. Ooh, YouTube that. Right. <laughs> all right, I, I will somewhat disagree with this because I. It sort of depends on the age of the band, right? To some extent, I mean, I metal shows obviously had. Big mosh pits, as right. it was known. I'm told it was known in New York as moshing and thrashing out here in the West Coast. Uh, or yeah. slamming. I wasn't where out you here. Were from. It was slam dancing. Slam dancing. Slam dancing when I was a 10 year old. I recently, like, for instance, just went to a Metallica show and I was close to the stage and I thought, oh man, I'm, gonna, I'm close to the stage. It's going to be fucking great. And then some dude who was clearly born in the mid 90s, as soon as the band came out, took off his shirt oh, and yeah. I realized, oh man, I got to back up. I had to back up like 30 feet so I could survive this massive amount of punching and throwing and, and things so going. So the punching and throwing still happens. Absolutely, because if the band is still relevant to someone who's 22. Right. Because when I was like 20 to 21, 22, exactly. I was, you know, running full speed at other dudes to collide in the center. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the way you expressed your feelings. Yeah. Okay. We'll call that. <laughs> uh, no, I think we should leave it there. Yeah. 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 That's all right. Yeah. My, my problem with the buzzcocks was that I just concentrated on the word cock, and so I, I just confused them with the revolting cocks. Oh, that's a whole other topic. It's completely different. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. The revolting cocks were a thing. Was this, that was a confessional section of our of our show? Yeah, no one will ever hear that. <laughs> and, Jeffrey's and, and, corner, and with that, <laughs> Jeffrey's corner, just a bunch it's of confessions. Corner. Yeah, um, it, it's I a love perfect the song. Abracadabra. <laughs> we're not that we're not all. there yet. That's our last segment. We have one more segment, which is Brian's corner. Brian, this, we're going to totally shift gears. You've brought us uh, your vinyl of the day. Yes, that and is true. And it's Jay Z's the Black the Album. The Black Album. Yeah, so. You know, uh, for those of you who missed our first episode, uh, <laughs> which is almost everybody who yeah. isn't in this room, which currently. is available at uh, flea markets and exactly. uh, swap meets around the right. country, you get the cassettes. Yeah. And in plenty of alternate universes, it's available. <laughs> That's true. Um, this is a segment where I talk about one of the various uh, vinyl albums that I own. So, what we we're okay. talking about is an actual record, yeah. right? And that's relevant, actually, to this conversation about Jay-Z. So Jay-Z uh, has turned 50 this week. He turned 50 this week. And what's interesting about that, and we'll get back to this, but in celebration of his 50th birthday, he actually 
re-allowed his albums to be streamed on Spotify. He had removed his albums from Spotify and okay. Apple Music for a couple of years. And to, go, to become title exclusives? Birthday, they were title okay. exclusives. And he actually put them back on Spotify for oh, his 50th birthday. Wow. Was it the first time he's ever reversed a decision he'd made? No. It was not. <laughs> because the Black <laughs> Album... Interesting. The Black yeah. Album was his swan song, right? There you go. So what's great about the Black Album and the reason why I... Uh, used that to celebrate his 50th was that was supposed to be his uh final album it was his eighth and final album uh which came out in november of 2003 and uh you know it is a fantastic album start to finish it's, it's great absolutely true and no, it, we really, it really is perfect albums his original idea was actually he was going to have a different producer for each song oh interesting and it didn't quite work that way but it came pretty close and you know producers included rick rubin and kanye and just blaze and dj quick and the neptunes and timbaland right. i mean all the heavy hitters who ended up being the the made producer of it it was each track there were maybe two people uh that repeated okay. but essentially it was like 10 different producers yeah ultimately that tracks. ended up yeah, being yeah. the case Although it sounds it's pretty cohesive close. it's very cohesive i think because of his mission of of trying to make this final album right um and what was it and it worked debuted at number one right so 463,000 copies it was nominated for best rap album mm -hmm. in the grammys but it, it did lost. not win yeah lost to kanye his protege. oh interesting yep yep but and I, I think that I was a good know. decision too because that was that. late registration wasn't it that college dropout college drop also lost great album great album great album so the thing is we were talking about like the longevity of careers right and talking about the ramones 20 years it's really hard in hip hop to have a long career. To and stay you know relevant. what? Jay Z lets you know that several times on this very <laughs> That's album. That's absolutely true. Which <laughs> is why he said yeah. he had to retire. Well, but, but but also, I mean, it is a it is a grand tradition, almost a rock and roll tradition, of declaring your retirement to increase people's appreciation of you. Yeah, I think right? he meant it. I think Jay Z. I'm meant not saying. It. I think a lot of them mean it, yeah. but they also recognize there's a power to making that bold claim. And you know what? Right. Jay Z mentions that on this album uh, as well. Times. Also, a few times. maybe you'll yeah, appreciate me now that I'm leaving. Oh, yep. absolutely. From the very start, yeah, it, it yeah. makes that clear. And that's uh, why this is our last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, guys. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the Grateful Dads. <laughs> there is no more because after there's this. this and the Lost episode, yeah. which is, as we said, <laughs> Lost. Um, and no, but he did really mean it because 11 days after this album came out, he did his big retirement concert right. at Madison Square Garden. Right. Which... Yeah, he came on stage in a walker. Yeah, and which was filmed and released as Fade to Black. Because <laughs> he, he was retiring. Because he was retiring. I get it. I get it. That's, that's, all, yeah. that's what's coming about old people. Old people. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. funny. Old people, their walkers are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they can't walk anymore. Anyway, enough humor. Go back to what you were saying, Brian. Anyone who's decrepit. <laughs> yeah. Just funny. It's just they their hips all the time. And, Constantly. Uh, and, but, but that's the, the thing sound is that, that makes those <laughs> hips breaking. That's what yeah. I call it, hip hop. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. We took a turn there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Dark, dark um, turn. But, uh, but that's the thing is, when you go back and listen to mm -hmm. things to see if they're classics, yeah. a lot of times, because hip-hop is so of the moment, much right. like punk rock, actually, trying to say something yeah, that's no happening right then, sure. the things don't last. They yeah. really don't. It's hard to go back and say, this is a classic. This album is a classic. Yeah, you I would absolutely agree it. with that. It stands up. It's been 16 years. Which I listened is hard to it to yesterday just to get ready for this, and it's it absolutely holds up. Well, I, I put it into context too. 2003, I was broke. Like I was in school. I didn't have it. I didn't buy this when it came out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I was aware of it. I was aware of the hits, but I didn't. 
I didn't really get into it till years later. So any potential relevance of the time was was lost on me. So the fact that it actually had any resonance years later is to your point. Is to your point is that it did. I mean, part of it is he's talking about himself, and so anything that's sort of autobiographical in that context and his context about how how you're remembered and how important it is to do is sort of evergreen in entertainment. You know, so it definitely still works. The other thing I will say about this record compared to a lot of and I, and in terms of hip hop and um, and rap, I can't say I'm a super connoisseur. I know all the top line stuff. Do okay. you know what I mean? But it, but I can't go very deep. This record is minimal amount of skits that had been that had been popular prior so you to that. Appreciate the lack of skits. Yeah, because I think that it's helped it aged mm-hmm. age because oftentimes there's a lot of topical things in that that simply don't transcend, say the, the late moment, 90s. The, the moment, the moment. Time, yeah. and so that helps this particular record. Seems somewhat timeless. Yeah, I think that I think that's accurate. And to me, you know, there's a thing that your top five, Jay Z, definitely in my top mm-hmm. five, and the world agrees. I mean, when I went back to do the research on this, and, yeah. and I had no, I really had no idea that he was the first rapper inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He's had 14 number one albums, which is the most for any solo artist. Period. I didn't realize that. Wow. And what? he has won 22 Grammys, which wow. is the most for Jesus. any Jesus. Wow. So let's just, I mean, it's incredible. It's quite a accomplishment. It really. And so he did obviously not retire after that. And he did. He unretired. He well, unretired. So let me ask this. Yeah. I'm trying to put it in time. Yeah. How long did his retirement last? Well, this, Three is, years. this is the fun part. Nope. Two years. So November 14th, 03 was when the Black Album right. came out. So it dropped. When it dropped. He had already retired. True. October 26, 2004, so just so, less than one year yeah. later, he dropped his collaborative album with R. Kelly. I don't know if we can still say his name. Can we, we can say still say R. Jeffy? Kelly. You just did. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, right, but, that's, so that, but that probably, he probably doesn't remember that one right now. And then... How does that album hold up? I wonder. <laughs> Not so well. <laughs> yes. But then... It's just, entitled to all the girls I've loved before. So no, you it's do called Unfinished Business, because oh, Jay-Z oh, had Unfinished wow. Business. Get it? Oh, yeah. I get it. And then, just a month after that, his collaborative album with Linkin Park, Collision Course, was oh, released. Wow. I've heard that. Don't forget that oh, wow. one. Wow. Right? Interesting. So just a year later. And then you're absolutely right. His next real comeback studio album was 2006, Kingdom Come. Right. Back. Which was not as good. Not as good. Yeah. Admittedly, not as good. I'll, I'll say this. I was aware of Jay-Z kind of early on, and it wasn't because I was, I kind of lost touch with hip hop a lot in the in the mid-90s, but I was uh, in New York City, and I was uh, part of a thing called this 52nd Street Project, where professional writers and actors got paired up with Hell's Kitchen kids to write plays together and perform them together. Oh, wow. And all the That's kids in Hell's Kitchen in the mid-90s revered Jay-Z. Right. They were, like, literally writing his name on the on the front of their notebook. So I I, I got to know who he was. But I mm-hmm. will say this. Of all the top-line legends of hip-hop, he's probably my least favorite. Whoa. And I think hmm. the reason is, is that um, he's got the best flow of just about anybody I've ever heard. It's amazing the way that he can... He he's almost like old timey crooner like in the way his phrasing and stuff, and he um and his the music on on black album and stuff like mm-hmm. that is unbelievable. But his lyrics are it's a really narrow band. Hmm, you like think so? a lot Meaning, of the stuff, like yeah. the black album in particular, mm-hmm. it's it's just about Jay Z. Well, I think that I was actually thinking about that today because that in a lot of ways is often a rap trope is discussing the actual it's a very almost meta way to approach everything you're discussing the literal thing you're doing at this moment yes exactly right Right. and and actually i think that's super cool but but rock would never get away with that there's no way in rock like if it's the equivalent though if you were playing like 
If well, you're playing songs Iron Man, about rocking. Sure, no, 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 you're right. The whole you're thing right. is but, songs but about rocking. There's, there's Ozzie, good rocking at midnight. Yeah. If if Ozzy was playing Iron Man and he was like, "Listen <laughs> to my riff, this is a fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. great riff," <laughs> like right. that would be awesome. Right? I'm singing that, about a guy. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe my riff. Holy <laughs> shit, this is the best riff. Gonna play it one more time. Wouldn't that be great? But that would never happen. No. I love Kanye more than Jay-Z because Kanye is funnier. Interesting. Um, he's just super funny. He makes better jokes than so Jay-Z like ever did. Bits. You like material No, 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 better. but there's others. Like, like I love mm. uh, Killer Mike, Run the Jewels, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Public Enemy because both of them are so insightful and political. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I love uh, De La Soul and, 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 and their ilk because I like the... Now the subject matter isn't just about them. It's all over the right. map. It's right. all over. Della Soul was the only rap that mattered to me. Yeah. Ooh. They were the best for a while. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, to him. He, he, yeah. he made that to him. To me. Yeah, yeah. because, because he only had one yeah. CD. I love Outkast. Outkast will introduce yeah. you to characters. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Well, well, the thing, here's well, the thing. Also characters. Yeah, yeah. 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 true. But true. What, what I will, I, look, I think that's accurate. What I will say about Jay and what he does and why I admire him so much is because it is the ultimate version of the dozens. He is really yeah. showing, I'm the best. I'm going to tell you I'm the best. I'm going to show you right. how and why right. I'm the best. And he owns that more than anyone else. He doesn't and have the storytelling in the And right. he does it better than anyone else. You're and absolutely think, right. And that's what's great about Watch the Throne. That's what's great about him and Kanye together. Right. Yeah. And I think what's also great about him and Although why Watch he, the Throne, Kanye's still funnier. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. funnier. Yeah. But I think where Jay wins in the whole thing is... He owns the whole thing. He always had the best producers introduce right. the best producers, right. best tracks. He's the best businessman. Right. Yes. He's, the, know, he's he the smartest, the smartest man in the room. Smartest smartest guy in the room. Yeah. He's also and arguably the guy. best and most complete human There's on that know, scene. He's a functional it, adult it, man. It's yes. unbelievable. And no he, and he works through that shit no doubt. as he raps at you. So, well, and also, I would say, we're talking about lyrics and we're talking about flow, but also, I would say, in the Black Album, tonally... The sort of 70s throwback sampling that goes on to that is, I find, extremely appealing. It feels like it's got a sort of Stevie Wonder vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. And I would also say that 99 Problems, in a lot of ways, is a rock, it's like almost like an industrial metal song. It right? is, yep. And, and, I do, and, and that actually huge. brings it to me to a very important segue, which, and it's not really a segue, we'll just, I just want to throw yeah. this in. You've got you 99 talk, Problems and uh, Rock isn't one of them? Rock is not one of them because of Danger Mouse. Right. Because oh, Danger sure, Mouse sure. made the Gray Album, which is a which is a mashup between the White Album and the Black Album, the Beatles White Album, right. Jay Z's Black Album, and he chose very appropriately because of what you just said, Kevin. He chose Helter Skelter right. as his backplate for Ninety Nine Problems, and it's just great. Well, let's let's talk about that in context real quick, because as as far as I can tell, the only reason, unless someone knows something that I don't know. To combine these two is simply the titles of these two <laughs> records, right? There's literally was no other connection because because there are three black albums historically. There is the sure. Prince Black album that he never released, which is which is my personal favorite black album. It's a good black right. album. Yeah. yeah. The Metallica Black Album. Which is just self-titled, though. It's not really called the Black so, Album. Well, the Beatles album is not called the White Album. That is right. that, true. It's called the Beatles. Good, exactly. Yeah. So, no, Metallica yeah. knew what they were doing. They were yeah. just going to make a Metallica. They, they yeah. did the same thing the Beatles did. Made yeah. the album, and people were going to name it. Right. Which is what the Beatles did. Um, and then there's Jay-Z's. You left that one. Which, which is the other Smell the Love. Oh, of course. <laughs> none more black. Of course. None more black. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. How much black are going to be? Yeah, none more black. I can't no believe black. that. But so the the point I'm making is simply that this idea was we grabbed the white album because it's the only opposite album to this particular well, Danger thing. Mouse, up-and-coming producer. The sure. black album comes out, and he has this – you're absolutely right. He has this thought. Right. Like, hey – 
this this uh, honestly illegal thought because he simply can't. It's not well, you know here's the, it's <laughs> quasi legal because Jay Z. This is well, this is an important piece not, of history. Not licensed thought. Sit back, kids. This is an important piece of music <laughs> yeah, yeah. history. Jay Z released all his vocals without. Any of the sure. the rest of the black album with right. it, right? The acapellas were released for remixes, which happens. Yeah, often, yeah, yeah. Right? Which, which is sampling are put out. Yeah, and absolutely. so Danger Mouse has this idea, does this what he considered at the time to be just an art project. Although he became obsessed with it, he was yeah. like, "Can I make this work? Combine black and white, make gray." Yeah. Um, and the surviving Beatles also endorsed it. Oh, I'm True not. Story. Yeah, I'm not saying it wasn't endorsed. I'm just saying it was. But then EMI EMI sued them. Yeah, absolutely, because yeah. because of laws apparently. Yes. <laughs> Let us put this in context. Think about this. So the black album comes out November 03. Right. The gray album comes out February 04. It's amazing. So oh, I, did, I didn't realize that. Later. Again, you're forgetting how broke I was at yeah. this time. So this well, is all blurred to me. Is, yeah. the, you couldn't is, have paid for the gray yeah, album. Yeah. That's the thing. The, <laughs> no, I know. The but I believe is, in paying. It's the height of the whole sort of nap thing yeah and, and stealing you know, music free thing. music yeah, free online, itunes right? free everything yeah it was, post and so it, was it was everywhere <laughs> yeah it, it was, was limewire at that time yeah, actually it was limewire yeah, right? yeah and limewire yeah. and, <laughs> and that ilk and and that is accurate which is the jc's tough was available anyone could take it and make remixes right. not that by they design. could sell them commercially but by design it was but just offered, to help yeah. you know promote it whereas he just took samples from the white album and put it together which you can't do right. legally right. let's be clear about legally. this right you right. know the songwriters so, the publishers side, the master owners so, well yeah. i've signed up to get into yeah. it around this exact same time there was a band um that did a similar thing and this is what I, I felt like when i listened to the gray album the first time yeah i really enjoyed it but it's I really also, fun but i also didn't know if i was actually enjoying it or if it was just triggering things that i was familiar with it was mm. the culture of the familiar right it was but almost that's like what mashups Andy are all about that is what it's all about yeah. and it's a it's a strange way that we end up right where it's kind yeah. of like what part of this am i enjoying am i enjoying my own familiarity to it or am i pushing boundaries of what yeah, i want to experience the whole thing is like it's like humor right like it's based on expectation and then that being subverted and right. also being this comfort thing so yeah. you have all these elements working together, so it gives you nostalgia and a sense of newness, but it's also its own thing. Abs- no doubt. Yes. So, but what, I was, what I'm wondering, though, is in the context, even in, in the dad band context, this idea of, I know the white album inside out and backwards. I know every single note of that record. I have the, like, the mono mixes and the stereo mixes. And so that works for me. If you're 16 and you don't know either of these records that well, right. what does this become to you? Do you know what I mean? Like, what does this matter? Yeah. It becomes yeah. a gray album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What does this become to you? Simultaneously, around that same time, there was a band called Beatallica. Does anyone, do you remember Beatallica? Yes. They did Beatles songs through like a Metallica filter that only appealed to people who knew ex- extreme knowledge of Beatles and extreme knowledge of Metallica, which was a tiny... Yeah, that's not like a I'd much like smaller band. diagram. I could not enjoy... I mean, it had songs like Leopard Madonna and stuff, yeah. and I could not have enjoyed it anymore. Yeah. But it was that same concept. I, I will say one more thing about the mashup. I think yes. it is about m- nostalgia, and I think that's... I think mashups are going to resurface. I think mashups hmm. are here to stay. And, and, and you know, that's a bold claim. I'm going to make yeah. sure. Well, that you just, one yeah. of the reasons I think this is because, like, no, Jeffy and I take a, take road trips occasionally. Right. And one thing that is a constant on the road trips mashups is is one particular one, which is the uh, 2008 Girl Talk uh, 
uh, oh, right. album, right. uh, Feed the Animals. Yes. Which is a mashup of just about every song sure. that you've heard since 1970 and every hip-hop track you've heard since then. Now, again, is this because it's comfort food to you guys? It's recontextualized comfort food, so it's more like the humor that Jeffy was talking about. You get the laughs. Like, you yeah. laugh when you listen to girl talk and yeah. you dance. It's like, oh, that's hilarious. He just used the drum solo from In the Air Tonight. Just the beginning of that. Or to, to, just to segue play into two it, bars of Abacab after, like, mm-hmm. it's it's so crazy. Yeah, I remember, I remember when it came out. Vocals. Yeah, but to Kevin's point, what does that mean to someone who doesn't know exactly? If you exactly. don't know the source material, I right. really don't the, care about it. So, so, so my point is, are you, right. there, thereby, are you just create, are you perpetuating your own irrelevance at that point? Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, you're not, you're not pushing yourself past a, uh, I think it's an art. In, it's an I'm art not saying it's not itself. an art. I just mean yeah. for your experience yeah, of yeah. like this. This is in the context of playing covers tunes. Like, at which point are you pushing past something that you, that you discovering something new, discovering something that's going to inspire you versus miring yourself in something that already exists? I would say that being in a dad band is miring yourself that, right, in something that right, always that, exists. That's the framework I'm trying to say. Like we yeah. are without a doubt miring ourselves in comfort food, so to speak. Right. Well, what we're doing is. In another context, what we're doing is what people have done with music since the dawn of time. Right. Which so, so is way we're artists make of, traditional of, yes. sounds in order to create a sense of community. Which is different, which I would say yes, and which I would say is much different from a mashup or sampling or things right. like that, which is recontextualizing the original right. content. Beastie Boys is some of the first time I heard some right. Led Zeppelin stuff and ACDC yes. stuff, which I was not aware of. And then someone said to me, oh... What is that? That's Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, what's Led Zeppelin? Right. This is the Beastie Boys. And it was four sticks, you know? Yeah, it's like, four sticks so you, learn, and... you know, you learn these things. And right. so again, but it meant, you, but it meant yeah. something to you yep. and on I its own. No, exactly. In its own context. In its own context. And I had no idea of where it was coming from or how it came. No, so I definitely, I've definitely yeah. noticed that a number of times where I would discover, oh, oh crap, this was a sample of something that I didn't know. Um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Songs in the Key of Life by mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder. But I actually... I've never I, heard that. Is it, what is that? Is that a, an oh EP or a record? <laughs> He's kidding, folks. I'm kidding. No, He's I understand, kidding. That, you're ki- I understand okay. that you're saying that you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sacrilegious. My, wed- my wedding dance but, was ass. Well, no, what, I, what I'm going to say is almost going to be sacrilegious, but but Coolio was when I first heard that sample of... Uh, oh, of, Gangster's yeah. Paradise? Was the first time you heard Pastime Paradise? I had not known it. I simply had not known it. I had no access to it. Nobody was and informing... And there, there were kids no out there who discovered Coolio through Weird, Weird Al. Oh, absolutely. Well, Weird, Weird Al is, a tr- is an American treasure that we should spend some time yeah, discussing. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. I want to move on to our last segment. Sure. Because we mentioned Weird Al, which takes us into into novelty music and stuff. So let's <laughs> Novelty do, music? Let's do our... <laughs> what? Let's do Guilty Pleasures, everybody. Guilty Pleasures. Guilty Pleasures. Now, uh, for those of you who never heard our lost episode, Guilty Pleasures is a thing we do on Which is every, everybody. Which is everybody. Oh, which, why do you keep saying that? I mean, there's a lot of people who love our lost episode. Uh, well, they archivists and whatnot. Archivists <laughs> from the future. Yes. Who managed yes. to find us? Who've been digging us up <laughs> and found that episode? Yes. But every episode so far, yeah. we've done guilty pleasures. We gone around the circle and talked about um, things that we're 
uh, you know, not entirely pleased that we love. Now, who, who right, wants to yes. go first? A song that uh, you, you, you're, uh, starting. Right, I'll go first. you're starting. And and, uh, and as I said be- before we started um, recording, or maybe I said it after, I'm not sure whether you guys are going to think this. Well, that's a great song, or man, you should really be ashamed of liking that song. But I'm I, interested in finding <clears> out what this I is going to be. I heard it in a Walgreens. I have always dug this cover, and it is the Counting Crows cover of Big Yellow Taxi. Oh my god. I think that sounds great. You have you You're have, wincing, you, Kevin. I this is physically painting me right now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you know you know what makes me really love actually it? I can see him experiencing yeah, discomfort. No, no, I'm, I'm going through something. Give me a time to process this. Cuz Cannon Crows Cannon Crows are so out of favor and they were never a favorite band of mine. They're in favor as far as I remember, but Exactly. They, I mean, they're yeah, not Nickelback they were hugely but they're, successful. No, you know, no, let's be fair. They were hugely successful. Right. And there was there was obviously people like me who were super smugs. So I thought my opinion was super important right. back at the time who did not like them. Right. I give them credit I, for being super successful. I was one of those people. I would never have admitted to being a Counting Crows fan back when Counting Crows was popular. Yes. I was not a fan then, and I will also admit that I shop at Walgreens, and I'm still not a fan. I like I like their cover of Big Yellow Taxi. It oh, sounds really <laughs> great. It's full of some really interesting ear candy that I don't usually associate with uh, Counting Crows, like some production tricks. There's a there's a gated kind of ooh bop bop. Listen to it, people. You'll like it. Hey, do you know the cut, or are you just disdainful because it's Counting Crows? What question did you just ask me? <laughs> do you know the cut? Big Yellow Count. Taxi yes, I'm by familiar with the original track, and I'm from no, 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 by Counting Crows. Have you heard that I, one? I have heard it, but it's probably been since the early 2000s. I've never, I've never heard it. Yeah. and I will. There was, if I remember right. listening to it now, there may have been some production. Was there a video for it? There may have been a single. I've never seen a, a video. It, it, but it that, is, that does not prove that there's not a video, though. No. Absolutely, it does not. <laughs> Let's move on to your guilty pleasure, Kevin. Well, my my guilty pleasure, I don't even know where to begin on this guilty pleasure because I have, you know, a handful of records that... Is it Mr. Jones and Me? No, it is not. It's not Counting uh, Crows? No, okay. it is not related to Counting Crows. <laughs> but I've got, you know, I, I have my, my set of records, a lot of things that I bought as reissues and a lot of things that I keep buying because I will buy every Prince record as they reissue it, even if I don't need it, even right. though, even, but I need to. It is a compulsion. It's a hell of a time to it's be a Prince compulsion. fan right now. Yeah, yeah, I hear And you. it is costing me more money than I would like to spend. But I have a copy of Christopher Cross's like only album, right? As far as I know, there's that one album called Christopher Cross. Does right? it have sailing on it? Yes. Right, right. So it has, sa- it has sailing, sailing, and ride like the wind. Ride like the, ride like the wind. It's got all that on it. And I pull it out. I see. Oh my god! I got this copy of Christopher Cross. I'll be working. I'm like, I'm gonna put this on. Ironically, this album. Yeah. And maybe when I was like 22, it remained ironic for the full like 46 minutes of this record. Okay. 15 and a half seconds into it, it is completely a sincere experience for me. You I love this album. I put it on to laugh at, and then how quickly I turn into a, a person who is emotionally connecting with this Christopher Cross record both is is shameful to me. It's to, so brave that I'm not going to go in at you at this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm admitting something. No, no, I so, feel like you're taking so off your skin. Right now. I'm yeah. vulnerable right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm taking I off my shirt to just show I, you how vulnerable I, I am. I can't do it. I, this, can't, I, can't, I, I can't come no, at like, you. Young me, 15-year-old me, is like literally giving me the middle finger and is like, what have you become? <laughs> but when, when I put it on, I'm like this. What is it about it? You know what? It is the timbre. Uh-huh. The connect, correct pronunciation. He does have a that. very nice voice. Not just his voice. It's the timbre of the entire production value. Oh, Jesus. It's the, uh, of the record. Uh-huh. I mean, I think sailing, I've, not, I've never sailed. And I think that it's probably maybe the whitest song ever written or recorded, right? It simply right. is. It's, but it it's, takes you away to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, oh my God, this is getting to me. 
And you know what? It soothes me in a way that, like, I've gone to a doctor's office and I'm waiting for the doctor to come call me in. But I'm if I'm working, my blood pressure just drops. <laughs> like everything just like it really does what it was intended to do. I'm gonna ask a question. And I hope I hope Christopher Cross is not listening to this. Is he still alive? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what I need. So to he end is in perfect hibernation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to uh, Brian. Guilty pleasure. You know, so I don't really have any guilty pleasures, but there are things that people would sneer disdain. At. Yeah. Yeah. Disdain. So since and I didn't come with this plan, but since you did mention the Counting Crows, it did put me in a certain era, right? Right. Of, of music, and I was thinking about. Um, so it's just Jacob Dylan's 50th birthday as well. So I was thinking about the Wallflowers. I did right. uh, play uh, the other day. I posted a Wallflowers record. But I saw the Wallflowers on their first, I think it was their first tour on their first album, which was much maligned and not very successful, opening for a band that I was a big fan of at the time, Spin Doctors. Ooh. Oh, very divisive. It's it's not divisive. I think it unifies everybody against you. Spin Doctors is the opposite <laughs> of Baby Yoda. Yeah. It's like having a pocket full of kryptonite. <laughs> it's like having a pocket full of kryptonite. <laughs> it is. It is. Have a listen, everyone. That's oh, all I gotta say. Really? So that's that's my guilty pleasure. For it's the a good day. one because Go you know they to, uh, to that EP. They're it's thought a of as a bunch of ripoff artists. You know, but but I've seen them not 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 physically seen them, but I've seen them on things recently mm -hmm. and they still exist as a band okay just to a certain extent sure and, are they and, still playing the same three songs oh, oh two. man i'm not wow. gonna look i'm willing to kick, well, you, kick you, christopher cross while he's down but not spin up two princes and little miss can't be wrong and, yeah what, what okay. else uh jimmy olsen's blues is the third song yeah it's pocket that's where a pocket full of kryptonite comes from uh, thank you for sharing um yeah, I'm gonna go to Xanadu, but um, what's it's, track it's, from Xanadu? Yeah, is it yeah, the Jeff Lynne tracks? Or, 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 it's an or is it the uh, what's his name track? track? Is it the um, no? It's, it's really magic. Is this gonna be the tubes? It is magic. Oh, oh. you have to believe Jeff wow. is magic. Yeah, now that's interesting. I, mean, I don't it, really have much to say about it. It's a beautiful song, it is. and it, it uh, is. What does yeah. it comfort you? Does it comfort you? Yeah, that whole album comforts me. Interesting factoid about the whole Olivia Newton-John Xanadu thing is that Olivia Newton-John for her entire career, and it's not a career that I particularly admire, she had a lot of hits. Oh man, they don't were all even start with Most of them were written by the same guy who she started with. And uh, his name escapes me now. We'll look it up. Bernie Taupin. It was not Bernie Taupin, but but this guy was her Bernie Taupin. And she brought him along on Xanadu so that even though she had a hit or two on Xanadu or every written song by Jeff Lynne. Mm -hmm. Right, the mighty like the Jeff. Song Xanadu, the, the mighty Jeff Lynne. The mighty Jeff Lynne. Like Xanadu, Magic was written by her own hitmeister. Oh, interesting. Uh, Magic's a great song. Yeah, it is. It is. And yeah. Xanadu, Not top of the I'm going to be the, the dissenting guilty. voice. I, you know, I, I don't that love that song. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, but that's because you might have a context to that song that I, I was a, like, predates Just because me. you got your heart broken to that song doesn't right. mean I never that got the rest my heart of us, broken to that song. Not, not a thing that happened. Not yet. Have to suffer no, for no, it. no, 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 no. I, I, was, I broke up with her. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you just told me on Facebook. No, that's so weird. That wasn't me. <laughs> um, my, that's not him. Yeah. No, that's 
No, I think the magic is actually great. I mean, I understand why. I understand why you might think it's something to be embarrassed about, but I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you forgive yourself. Yeah. Setting it's me free. It's something that you should love. Yes, setting What's you free. What's the whole point of the, the 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 vastly successful guilty pleasure segment of our show? <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's to put those things out there. I feel like we've segment. all validated each other, except for my counting crows song. No, <laughs> the amount of time I spent hating bands at certain times in my life that I now feel are like comforting. Well, yeah, once you're crazy. old enough to maybe be committed to a home, you have to start feeling sorry for him <laughs> wait, so wait, is that are we talking about are for? we talking about adam or about the band i think that's about all the time we have today. yeah we're done <laughs> all right everybody thank you for listening uh this has been uh the grateful dads episode two the first episode two <laughs> Yes, coming to the podcast network. Yeah. I want to thank Jeffy Brannion. Thank you. I want to thank Brian Frank. Yeah, my co-host Kevin Burke. Oh, and my co-host Adam Felber. Now, cut, don't miss us in that gig that has already happened. By the time you're hearing us, because <laughs> the the, the uh, I don't know what we're called the no, pop rocks but now. We killed it at that gig. We killed it. We absolutely. We're crushed. probably famous now. I thought, I thought you guys were called Dad Finger. We're, I wanted it to be he dad kept, figure. He wanted. He still wants it to. He keeps bringing it up yeah. repeatedly. What about you? Said dad company would be good too. Yeah, dad, dad company is a, is a badass dead. name. No, dad company's not bad. I mean, it's terrible, but it's not bad. Yes, it's, it's less offensive. I get, I get where that's going. I see where that is. Uh, so yeah. you you would prefer bad's company? Yeah, I prefer bad's, bad's companies. All right, we're out of time. Jeffy, fade up the theme song. All right, here we go. Good night, everybody. And we're out. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.